You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. And today, basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through all of my equipment from the from the moment that I wake up in the morning to the time that I am 100% set up in the tree, ready to hunt. I'm going to break down all of the gear that I use. And I, 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 sat, I sat through this uh, this morning and I made a list of everything that I use. Um, and I don't know if I'm necessarily forgetting something. I don't think so. Because uh, if, I, if I am, man, there's a whole bunch of gear that uh, I take in with me. And it's going to sound like a whole bunch of gear, but I try to, I honestly try to be minimalistic in what I take out every hunt, right? And so this is, this would be a Midwestern style hunt that we're going to talk about today. Uh, I may talk briefly about some of the stuff that I use on a, uh, on my Western hunts when I go out and chase mule deer or elk, but this, a majority of the gear that we're going to be talking about there is some crossover but it's based off that that midwestern style from a tree hunting from a tree type of uh, conversation so that's what we're going to talk about today before we get into today's episode though uh, we're going to do some commercials Uh, we got two that we need to talk well one's a commercial one's more of an an announcement and uh, the first one is if you are into scents or being scent free or 
um, wanting to experiment with mock scrapes, you definitely need to go check out codebluesense.com and just take a look at all of their offerings. And they have everything from your scent elimination type products where you, you know, your sprays, your soaps, your laundry detergents, um, wipes, everything that you, that you need to be scent free, they offer it. They, they have it. They have orbital glands uh, in their Ropadope system or orbital scent in the Ropadope system so you can create mock scrapes um, from the licking branch that, that's on a rope to the 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 real or synthetic sense deer urines that they offer and so man these guys got a variety of products um on a hunting gear podcast a while ago i talked with one of their uh, product uh, specialists and he was talking to me about the really um i guess you would say the quality steps excuse me the quality steps that they go through it, to collect these scents that they make, especially if they're real, and how they try to have like one deer per bottle. So it's not necessarily a blend of a whole bunch of different deer into one bottle. It's one deer per bottle. And that that type of quality is strenuous, right? They probably don't have to do it, but they understand that that's going to provide the highest quality especially when it comes to how deer use their nose to identify other deer. Having one deer in the area seems more realistic than them smelling something and being like, man, what is this? What is, what am I smelling? So, uh, very good people at that company as well, man. I've had the opportunity to, to meet and, uh, uh, conversate with some of the people from code blue and man, really good company. So uh, go check out CodeBlueSense.com. I do have a discount code NFC20, and that's going to get you 20% off uh, of all of their products. Now, second thing that I want to announce is I just actually started an apparel company. And right now there's only three different offerings. There's going to be more coming down the pipe, but that company is called Full Sneak. And you can go to fullsneakgear.com, and it's just a Shopify shop right now. As um, as it starts to grow, I'm going to start adding more products. I'm going to probably get an official website and uh, make everything really, really, uh, r- really high high quality. That's that's what I'm trying to accomplish here. Uh, it's going to be a lifestyle brand, you know, logo tees, um, the first ever Nine Finger Chronicles hat is up for sale there as well. So go visit fullsneakgear.com. Check out the offerings that I currently have, but just know that there's going to be more coming down the pipe. I'm already working on a hoodie. hoodie. I'm working on a beanie, uh, some more t-shirt designs as well. And the goal with Full Sneak is going to be a full-fledged lifestyle brand that is going to be perfect if you are an outdoorsman, I don't necessarily know if I'm going to get into the camo per se, which I think that's a whole nother monster that I don't, but I got the, the hoodie is going to be called the post hunt hoodie, right? I got the date night hat, you know, things that we use outside of the woods. Uh, that's, I don't know, it's just going to look real good and be really comfortable in that. And that's, uh, and kick-ass designs as well. So go check out fullsneakgear.com. Um, and now we've done all this. 
I do need to um, talk about my gear, right? That's what that's what we're all here for today. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about what I do when I wake up in the morning, okay? And so even before that, uh, we're going to talk about kind of like the, the beginning of this is uh, kind of really sent. So I will wake up, I will go out to the garage, and I will turn on my Ozonics that I have in my Ozonics closet. And, and I run a dry wash cycle. And so as I then go back into the house and I take a, sh- a scent free shower using uh, code blue, like body wash, and it's like a, a body wash, hair wash, uh, and put on my deodorant, my deodorant, my, my gear itself is being uh, washed over with O3. And so that, you know, that's a bacteria killer. That's a scent eliminator. This O3 is, I'm a huge fan of using O3. You know, I feel like it does a good job in the tree. Like the Ozonics unit does a really good job in the tree, like diluting scent profiles and, and, uh, reducing the impact your scent has on the, on, on the deer. But I feel like where it really shines, and this is my opinion, is outside of the tree and using it to clean your, like remove the odor from your clothes. Now it's obviously not going to remove blood or dirt from your, from your clothing, but what it does is if you're obviously hunting gear and equipment is going to get dirty. But for me back in the day, when I was really trying to be 100% scent free, this was before the days of, uh, Ozonics and other O3 type of, uh, products, ozone uh, distri- uh o- ozone creating products i would wash my clothes once a day at least and then hang them out on the dryer like hang them out on the line when i wasn't and then i would have to get dressed and you know take it to the field get dressed and and then i used to spray down with a whole bunch of stuff man i just don't do that anymore it's so time consuming having to wash your hunting clothing over and over and over throughout the year. So now really the only time I wash my clothes is if I got a ton of blood on it or if I, uh, you know, fell in some mud or whatever, whatever the case may be for, uh, having to like, if it's, if it's heavy, heavily soiled is what I'm getting at. If it's not, I throw it right into the Ozonics closet, uh, my dry wash bag and I run a dry wash cycle and that, to me is clean and you can tell it's odorless when it comes out of there and you're wearing it on the way to the tree stand. Right. And so I will, my base layers and my pants, I will always put on right out of the, right out of the dry wash, uh, bag, um, toothbrush. Right. So I brush my teeth with just regular, uh, regular toothpaste and regular toothbrush. There's nothing fancy there. I don't, you know, some guys I've heard have the conversation like, Oh dude, you need to brush with scent free, man. I don't, honestly, I don't think it matters because if, if that smell is even making it to a deer's nose, they're going to smell the mint flavor, but it's what is coming up out of your guts that the deer are smelling, right? So if you burp, uh, or if you just have your mouth open, all of that breathing 
is creating odor that they can identify. And that's kind of why I run an Osonics in the tree and I'll, I'll get to that. But anyway, all right. So, so now I'm out of the shower. I dry off. I'm getting dressed. Um, all, if it's cold outside, I'm throwing all of my, uh, outerwear, uh, let's say like a, a big shell jacket or my, uh, puffy jacket or any of my insulation layers. It's going into a bag. So that way when I'm riding to the tree or I'm walking to the tree, then I can, uh, I'm, I'm not getting hot. Right. And so I, I'll throw that into a bag, but at the truck, I'm putting out on, on my base layers before I get into the car, putting on my base layers and I am, um, putting on, uh, which is mostly this year. It's, it's everything that I'm going to be wearing. Is, I'm going to say 90% of it is going to be Huntworth clothing. Uh, I, I worked a deal with them on another on the nine finger chronicles podcast. And so they sent me a whole bunch of stuff. And I will say that I am surprised of how, how much the quality is. I would compare their clothing. So if, if you're going to say brands like Sitka, Kuyu, yeah, I would say Sitka and Kuyu are the top of the food chain when it comes to uh, gear and how they perform. They're, they're at level 10 I'm going to put Huntworth at level nine. Okay. And, and so you're paying a ton of money for Sitka, for Kuyu and some of these other really elite, maybe first light now, uh, for, for these quote unquote elite brands, you're still getting the quality out of Huntworth, but you're, um, you're paying way less. Right. And so, Man, I'm I'm really looking forward to using that. They they offer solid colors, which I really like. Um, they they have a variety of camo patterns. So if you like a digital pattern, they have that. Uh, if you like, um, you know, more of a, a scribbled up, you know, pattern, they have that as well. And so, um, I'll be using a lot of Huntworth. I'll have some merino wool socks and base layers that I'll, I will in synthetics base layers that I will be using. Um, some of those aren't Huntworth, but majority, like uh, the synthetic tops and the synthetic bottoms uh, will be, uh, won't be Merino wool, but they'll be, uh, they'll, they'll be my insulating base layer. Uh, Excuse me. Uh, (laughs) That was unprofessional. Uh, Crispy boots. uh, I got a different brand. So for the past, I want to say five, five or seven years, I've had the Crispy Thors. Uh, This year, I changed to the crispy Colorados and I went and wore them on a couple hikes to get them broken in for my, uh, my upcoming, uh, Western hunts. And they're very comfortable. They're they're They are why those Thor's crispy Thor's and these Colorado's are, are why I continue to go back to crispy every single year. And that is because the quality of them and how long they last. Man, I beat the shit out of my equipment. And these boots, you know, my last pair of boots last me five hunting seasons, man. That's five trips. Uh, there, There's multiple trips to Nebraska. That's five trips to uh, South Dakota. And then, of course, Iowa, shed hunting. And then when I wear my boots outside of the hunting season as well, let's say like if it's snowing outside or, or things like that, I don't want to wear a pair of tennis shoes. I'm throwing on my Krispies, man. And, and they're comfortable. The break-in period for them is very small. And, uh, I have yet to get a blister 
on my feet in any crispy shoes. And that's no joke, man. So uh, uh, socks are going to be a combination of Altera alpaca socks. Now, these are these are like merino wool, but they're alpaca. And so they have the same properties as merino wool. Some might argue even a little better. They have the moisture wicking. They have the uh, the ability to not collect odors and bacteria. And, and that's a huge benefit and they're very comfortable and, you know, like they hold the warmth very well, especially in the colder seasons. But now they've also come out with a thinner sock, like a lightweight marine or alpaca sock. I used to use darn tough merino wool uh, socks because uh, they were thinner, but now that Altera or uh, yeah, uh, Altera has these new uh, lightweight socks. I'll probably be picking up a couple of those. Plus I already have a ton of socks. So it's not like I need to go buy anything, anything. I got a ton of socks. Uh, buh, 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 buh. when it comes to socks, that's, that's really it for me getting dressed before the hunt, get in my truck, right? Drive to the drive to the property. I'm not because I have the Ozonics and I've washed my clothes, I'm not really a scent-free geek. Any, like I'm not, uh, I'm not anal about my my personal scent anymore because I know that the Ozonics out of the tree, in the tree, and I'm clean. My body's clean. Um, is not. It's not. I, I don't really think about it or care about it too terribly much. Uh, depending on the hunt. I do have an e-bike on my main farm, the one that I've been hunting a lot. Uh, I don't think that driving a truck to cert through the property helps per se, but I don't necessarily think it hurts. And, and so on the new farm that I acquired, there's only one access route into the heart of the farm, and it's through a, a gap in a fence. And so when I went there the first time and I started walking through this this gap in the fence, I noticed that the deer were seeing me on this hillside. They would get up and they would run away, okay? Once I started using this e-bike to drive to this dam wall and then I would hide the bike, like a tire would be in the pond and it would be laid right there. Uh, I, I, think, um, I think that helped. And I think that's that has led to the reason why... Um, I'm seeing so many deer on some of these properties because they look at that, they look at that bike and they're like, well, that's not a human threat. That's not a threat. I mean, it's not something vertical walking through the landscape. It looks just like another vehicle. They're used to vehicles. And so they don't necessarily ignore it. They just don't run away from it. So, and then by the time that I'm out of range and they can't see me anymore, or I'm uh, to a spot where I'm up in my tree, it's, uh, dude, like from an access standpoint, if you can use a, a bicycle or have someone drop you off at your tree stand and, and pick you up at your tree stand, I think from an access point and from a, like deer are probably less apt. They're not going to stick. They're not going to stay in the field when a bike is going through, but they're not going to run away because they necessarily haven't seen you. They haven't smelled you per se. A truck comes into the field. Uh, it's going to spook them, but they're going to come right back. Right. So I don't think, uh, uh, it's, I, th I think, it, I think e-bikes actually do help, uh, on, on access staying kind of, uh, I don't want to say invisible, but 
it's a it's not as big of a distraction to them as just walking through the landscape is. So depending on the hunt, I might use an e-bike. Um, on my access routes, I'm a huge fan of nose jammer, right? And so I spray nose jammer on my boots, on my clothing. I spray nose jammer on my hats. And it's just another, because you will never beat a deer's nose. I don't care if you use... Um, I don't care if you use Ozonics. I don't care if you're scent free and you use the sprays, you, you, you wash your clothes every day, you brush your teeth, you have good hygiene, like you prevent, like you take as many steps. If a deer smells you, there's things that you can do to, I don't want to say trick them because once their nose gets acclimated to whatever it is that they're trying to sniff they will smell you eventually. It's just how much of them, how much of you are they smelling? And that's why I, I like using ozone because in the tree, it um, dilutes your scent to, you know, this isn't proven or anything, but my theory is that it dilutes your scent cone to the point where they smell you and maybe they'll say to themselves, it triggers something in their brain that says, okay, there was this scent here, but it's so diluted that it hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been, it's been a while since they've been there. Or maybe they're 500 yards away, so they're no big threat to me right now because that's what, that's the, the profile that I'm getting. Now, when it comes to Nose Jammer, though, I truly believe in this product for the science behind it. And from overwhelming the olfactory senses in any type of animal, right? So imagine walking into a house where the people there smoke inside. As soon as you walk into the house, you will smell cigarettes. And it's overwhelming cigarettes. Or when you walk into a pizza shop store, you know, a pizza restaurant, you smell that and it hits you like a ton of bricks but then after a while your brain adjusts the how you smell that those smells go away and then you can start to uh like pick out certain things again and i think that's what happens when when i when you use nose jammer on a deer at least that's how they market it it overwhelms them it is the only thing that their brain can pick up in, in that. And they're like, holy cow, what is this? And so for a short period of time down, if a deer's downwind of you, it'll smell that sometimes. And I use it mostly for my access routes. And so it's just another thing that they're, uh, they're picking up, they're picking it up, they're picking up the ozone, but what they're doing is it's overwhelming them. And they're like, holy cow, it's so potent. What is this smell? And my smells mixed in with that. So it's like kind of like a Trojan horse of scents, right? The, like my scent is in there somewhere, but it's diluted. It smells like ozone. It smells like, um, like vanilla extract, which is what nose jammer is made out of. And so those, from the scientific standpoint, that's kind of my, my scent regimen. Now, so I, I get to the tree and I'm, I'm using a variety of different, different um, climbing methods, a variety of um, different saddles and hang-ons throughout the year. And I'll, I'll break those down right now. Uh, 
So I do have two different tethered saddles. I have the Lockdown, and then I have the Phantom XL that I'll be rotating through this year. I think the I think the Lockdown is going to be good for first time insets, where I can have a whole bunch of stuff right in my pocket in those pockets on that on that saddle, and then you know put up my climbing sticks, start pulling stuff like uh, bow hooks and ropes and uh, anything like screwing steps or is uh, anything that I need to carry at my hip to help myself uh, in climbing and setting up in the tree. But once I've been to a tree, let's say I, I, I find a good spot and I'm probably going to come back to it. I may or may not leave my platform there. I may or may not leave my climbing sticks there, but um, then I'll probably come back with a lower profile saddle in the, and then I use the Phantom XL. It's very comfortable. I'm a bigger dude. I'm right at six foot, six one, and I am probably two, I'm right around 230 pounds right now. And so it's, it's comfortable for my fat ass is basically what, is what I'm saying. Um, I'm using the XL platform that Tethered offers as well in my saddle setup. Not very many mods to it other than hockey tape over some of the the metal and some of the uh, front uh, the front part where I feel like there might be some clicks and some bangs uh, on the stand. But for the most part, I don't really mod out my my platform. I do do the same thing with my climbing sticks where I'll wrap hockey tape around them to minimize. It's, it doesn't prevent it, but it, it makes a makes a, a sharp metal on metal sound seem like a dull metal on metal sound and it doesn't necessarily carry through the the woods that far and so that's what i'm doing for my climbing sticks um or for my stand if i am going to pull a sat or uh or uh that was that was my saddle excuse me my stand is just an old lone wolf man and those from there's they just work so well as a hang on, right? There's a, there's all these other brands now that have spurred off from from this, and there might be some different uh, adjustments like um, Lone Wolf Custom Gear and XOP, and now Novix. They all kind of stem from, and they've all kind of taken it a little, you know, different directions. But I will say that that original design works so well. That's those are the only stands that I need, uh, and and if I'm going to go to a let's say a spot that is a historically good rut spot, I may throw a stand in there to uh, you know to keep there if it's a historically good rut funnel where I know I'll be you know I I can leave a stand up all year round on some of this private when I'm on public. I'm definitely using a saddle, much more mobile. I don't necessarily know where the deer are coming and going from, so I have to go find it, which I'll while I'll use the the saddle. Uh, sticks. I do have tethered sticks. I have one set of tethered sticks. They're pretty good. I I, I do like them. My main stick that I, and the reason I I like using the lone wolf sticks. The they're three steps. They're not double sticks. They're singles. They're, you know, they're single step uh, sticks that rotate. I can stack them. They're fairly light. 
I can put them in a bow holder. That's what I do. I take the ends, put it in a bow holder, take the bow bow holder and strap it to the sticks. And then I can throw the sticks over my shoulder when I'm walking in. And that way I don't have to take my backpack off when I get to the tree. I just take them out of the bow rope or the the bow holder, set the bow bow holder at the bottom of the, the tree, and then I start setting things up. And then from there, I go, am I putting up a, a full tree stand, lone wolf tree stand, or if I'm putting up one of the uh, tethered XL platforms? So that's kind of the the stand, climbing stick, saddle type of uh, setup I got. Now, I am wearing this year a, uh, in the past, I've worn the Mystery Ranch tool bucket or not tool bucket, uh, tree house, excuse me. And that's a pretty sweet, uh, you know, sweet pack this year. Um, I think I'm going to be using a backpack, the, the bigger backpack from Huntworth. It looks like it's going to be able to do everything that I need it to, as far as, you know, holding water, holding extra clothing, like my layers that I won't be wearing when I'm walking to the tree or riding to the tree, won't be do, using that. Um, but I will be using that, that when I get into the tree, it's going to be easy to unzip, pull my clothes out, put them on, uh, either in the tree at, or at the base of the tree before I climb up. And then after that, really, um, it's just what's in the backpack. Right. Uh, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. It's a very comfortable backpack. It's, it's fairly, it compresses down very well, but it can hold a bigger, heavier coat. I might be able to stuff a coat in there with uh, insulation layer. And then once I get to the tree, like I said, uh, water go, uh, my water, a Nalgene bottle goes in there. My grunt goes in, my grunt tube is in there. Um, any snacks will fit in there. And then uh, to the exterior, I will have strapped my uh, my rattling antlers. And so I don't use a rattle bag. I use real rattling antlers. For some reason, I just assume deer can hear that, that hear that like the plastic on plastic or hear these rattle bags. And I'm sure they, they can't really tell the difference. But for me, I'm just like, I like the, uh, the authenticity of real rattling antlers. And so that's why it, they're, they're, a little bit more bulky. The their profile isn't near as flat as some of these other options, but I really do like them. And so that there's that. Uh, here's my bow setup. Okay, bow setup. I have a Bowtech solution. I have a 30 inch draw at 70 at 70 pounds. Uh, I have a React Five sight by Trophy Ridge, and. Here's why I like using a multi-pin sight. Uh, I, in the past, I have used a single-pin sight. And in the moment of truth, if things are happening quickly and having the ability to, like, having the time and awareness to range and adjust, range and adjust, and, and things like that, uh, I just like having multiple pins. Now there are hybrids that do interest me and that is the 20 and 30 pin or set. And then the, the, uh, other pin, the third pin, or I'm sure there's different variations of this is a sliding pin. 
so that you can crank the dial if it's out like to 40, 50, 60, 70 or something like that. You can crank it all the way down to how whatever the furthest distance is that you, that you want. And and so it's a it's a hybrid version of of that. And so that's something that interests me, but this this site's been working for on multiple bows that I've owned and I'm, I really like it. And the the setup time to get your bow accurate with this site is really easy, man. I mean, you set up at 20, you set up at 30, you make your adjustments. And then once you have those two pins set, then 40, 50, and 60 are all automatically set. Uh, and so that's, uh, once that tech type of technology came out, I was a huge fan of, of that little drink here a second before I get into my rests. All right. Vapor trail this year, or what well, it's been three years now since I've gotten a vapor trail, uh, rest, man, I used to, I used to use ripcord. I mean, I loved that rest. I loved that rest. But then I noticed on a new version that I got, it just didn't seem like the quality was there. Um, still a very good rest, man. Absolutely. Still, still would, wouldn't hesitate to put a rip cord on, but I, I feel like something changed once that company was sold to, I forget the the name of the company that bought them. Anyway, it's an it's another one of those huge conglomerates, right? They own like twenty brands or something like that. So they bought Ripcord, and I feel like the quality of the product went down since since the sale, since they sold it to that. And so that's why I went um, to Vapor Trail. I had several guys tell me, dude, you need to try the Vapor Trail. You need to do the limb driven. Uh, system, the limb driven rest. And that's what I have. I got a vapor trail. It's a limb, limb driven rest. Um, there's, you know, theories and science behind why limb driven is better than a cable driven system and how there's less, you know, less, uh, uh, rest arrow interference on a limb driven system because that, that once that, uh, limb goes up, it stays up. There's not a lot of bounce back on that launch pad. So, um, huge fan of that. And then that's it for my bow setup. Here's my arrow. Oh, and on my bow setup, I do have a customized grip, which is hockey tape around the, the grip that came with it. And it it's, gives it a little bit more grip is which, which is why I like it. My hands don't slide, uh, when I, when I come to full draw. And that's why I like that. Uh, arrows, day six arrows. Uh, I think mine are the 250s. F 524 grains total arrow weight. Um, love the the tolerances on those on those arrows. They are the most they have the most consistent tolerances in the entire hunting industry, right? So their manufacturing process allows for their arrows to be very straight and all of the arrows to be very, very uh, straight. And so that's why I like the consistency in there. It's a very high quality product and high quality in this instance reflects cost. So they are more expensive, 
but you're getting a very good set of arrows that you you will be able to shoot for multiple years if you take care of them. On on the end of my arrow is a wasp jackhammer. Now, if I'm going to hunt a bigger bodied animal like elk, I will put a boss four uh, a boss four blade on. But um, for for whitetail and mule deer purposes, I'm putting a, a jackhammer, hundred grain jackhammer on that. And uh, at 70 pounds and at 30 inch draw, man, if it's, I'm getting a, unless I hit major bone or major tissue, uh, tough tissue, then uh, I'm, I'm going all the way through that animal. Uh, I don't know how many, how many pass throughs I've had with that at that setup, just a ton. Uh, and it, then when I did shoot the boss four blades on uh, those arrows, the one year, man, you know, obviously there's no energy loss in a fixed blade. I, I was destroying animals. I mean, that my arrow was zipping through them like butter coming out the back end, sticking, you know, six inches in the ground. You know, those, those are fairly close shots, but um, very, very accurate flying arrows. But that, again, is not only your arrow setup, but it's how you tune your arrows and your bow together. You know, got to make sure your sight's on. Got to make sure your rest is is set up. A lot of that has to do with uh, timing of the uh, cam timing. And so that's why I go into uh, a shop and have somebody really work on my bow every single year to get it to be quiet. And when something is quiet, that means the energy is more efficient and it's being delivered into the arrow and not like the hand shock or the vibration of the bow. So... Uh, there's that. I think that's it. Oh, four fletch. All of my arrows are four fletched. Um, they come, the, the fletchings that come with the day six arrows are the ones that I use. Uh, this year, uh, I had to have a couple arrows, the fletching stripped. And then I, um, just bought some regular, I don't even know, ABA America, America's best accessories america's boat i don't know a a b e i forget the name of it anyway uh those are the fletchings that i use whatever those are uh for fletch and the reason that i i shoot for fletch is uh to stabilize the back end as fast as, as possible some guys you know depending on who you talk to the more drag you're losing speed but your all your arrow is flattening out quicker uh and you're you're able to get true like really good arrow flight down to your target and right now i have that um i did notice a little bit of a bump in accuracy when i'm shooting a four fletch and then on top of that uh in windier conditions i necessarily haven't seen it firsthand but uh four fletches are supposed to work better in windy conditions uh, accessories next on the list is the, uh, accessor, all the accessories. And it's very, very simple, right? I usually, I usually carry like a real tree bow holder, a screw in bow holder. Um, I do have these tethered ones that hang on the ropes. So now I'll be able to like put this strap around the tree and then put, uh, these bow, like these hangers on there for my pack and, uh, um, any other things that I want to hang on the, the tree, like rattling antlers or grunt tube or range finder, uh, or even my bow. So I got some of so those tethered. Um, I do have one of my favorite brands 
I don't know if they even make them anymore because I haven't seen them at the store that I go to. But I think for a while, Gorilla was making these really high-quality screw-in hangers that I would use to hang my uh, pack on. The thing that pisses me off the most is having to struggle when you're hanging off of a tree trying to get a screw-in something into because it's not sharp or it's dull or something like that. So there are certain screw-in screw hangers that perform better. They're sharper, they have more grip right away, and they're easier to screw into the tree, and those are the ones that I like. Uh, I think a lot of us have been there before to where we're, we're trying to force this dull, basically nail into a tree, trying to get it to spin, and it's just not working. And, it, and then you're spending a lot of energy in the tree trying to do something that is kind of a waste of time. So uh, now now to the Ozonics unit itself. Uh, it's This year I have the 500 uh, with a screw-in arm with an extension. And so that is in my pack. I hang my pack up. Uh, the Ozonics is running the whole time I'm accessing. So I, once I leave the truck, the Ozonics comes on. I put it in my pack with it vented, and then it's coming out as I'm walking or riding my bike to, you know, wherever I get off my bike or climb up to the tree. And so that's on the whole time. I will grab the screw-in arm, screw it in, pull the bag out, pull the bag out, uh, or put it in the bag, pull out the arm, screw it in, hang the Ozonics. Very simple. Um, and then I always get an extra battery, an XL battery. So I had two, I got two XL batteries. And one XL battery should last you all day, depending on how long you're in the in the tree and how what uh, cycle you're running on your Ozonics unit. Um, there might be some time, like parts of the day, where thermal shift or the wind changes direction and you might not need to run it. I would suggest shutting it off and then turning it back on, especially at prime time, uh, if you're an all-day sitter, right? I'm not an all-day sitter, so I like to uh, go and leave and then come back uh, to different areas, whatever. And so there's that. Um, and then... While I'm hunting, my other XL battery is charging so that when I get back to after the hunt, I switch batteries out. I put uh, the, the new battery that's been charging, I put that in the dry wash bag or in the, in the unit and then put it in the dry wash bag and it, I have a fresh battery for uh, my, my dry wash cycle. Uh, grunt tube that also goes in my pack. Uh, that's a bone collector. Funny story. I went to a Gander Mountain one time. That's where I bought it at several years ago. Before that, I had a grunt tube for, I'm going to say 12 years. I had the same grunt tube and still to this day, haven't found a grunt tube that sounded anything like this deep, like just a deep dominant buck grunt. Man, it, it's it's money. Uh, it's not one of these grunts that sounds like a beep, beep, you know, just like very soft, very non-mature sounding grunt call. And, and so I was taking all of these grunt tubes out of the packaging and blowing them into, like blowing them and testing them out. Some, some kid, you know, uh, I look at it now and I might have been a little harsh on him. And he came up to me. He's like, I don't know. 
sir, I don't know if you can uh, take those out of the packages to test them like that. And I just looked at him and said, well, I'm going to. So if you have an issue with this, you can send your manager over here. Like I, I just wasn't having it. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, and so I took all of them out and I found the bone collector grunt tube. It has a built-in snort wheeze thing in it. I don't use it. I just, I just use my mouth, but, um, uh, it sounds as close to the original grunt tube that I had for all those years. It's again, a deep grunt. You can squeeze it. Uh, flexes a little bit you can manipulate the sound make it sound really good uh, so I like that one I like I mentioned earlier I bring real rattling antlers with me I bring a Nalgene bottle bottle with me my range finder is a vortex I have a vortex range finder that thing's kick ass um, my binoculars are the triumph in the tree they're going to be the triumph HD uh, binocular this year really good I'm using you know, I forget the name of the Vortex sent me one. I do like it, but the other one that I use has a magnetic strip on it, which I all I have to do is flip the lid up and f- take the lid off and there's magnets in there that hold it together. It doesn't make any noise and that way I can take my binos binos out, set them back in and that that lid doesn't interfere with anything. Um god, I forget the name of it. It's right out there. I should probably go look, but I'm not I'm going to just tell you it's a really, good, really, a really good one. Uh, outside of that, I, I, I use a, oh, I also use a hand muff. I'm not a big fan of wearing gloves, uh, especially in, in prime time. Uh, I like putting my hands in my pocket. I do use a lot of hand warmers throughout the, throughout the, the season. I do like uh, the ones with adhesive on them. And I can stick those to my legs or my lower back or my chest or something like that. The places that get cold first. Ooh, I forgot a big one. Boot covers. Arctic Shield boot covers, man. I used to be the guy who used to wear the really big uh, Alpha Burley Pro rubber boots. I still wear those if if I have to cross water or if it's really wet outside or, you know, muddy, then I'll wear those. But typically, I'm just wearing my Krispies. Uh, with a pair of heavy-duty socks, and then I'll put my feet in uh, my with my boot and everything in that uh, in the uh, Arctic Shield boot covers, man. And my feet have stayed really, really warm uh, throughout the years because it it kind of just capsulates all that moisture or that that heat leaving your your boot. And so it's really it's a really good product and if it's extremely cold then I will take a couple of um uh, body warmers and I'll body that like I'll body it or adhesive stick it to my boot and then put the boot cover over top of it and that acts as like an insulation uh or like a a heat a heating sauna for my for my boot and so I really like that. Other than that, man, I think that's kind of that's kind of my everything we need to know about how I approach my my season. Uh, I didn't get into too much detail about the type of clothing that I'm wearing, but it's all early season stuff uh, unless it starts to get cold, and then I'll start bringing out the the big dogs, uh, the big 
heavy-duty sweaters and hoodies and insulation puffy jackets and and uh, things that uh, are meant to keep me warm in those colder uh, those colder hunts so uh, that's just me man that's what I do thought you guys might be interested in it um, if you guys have any questions about the gear that I use or gear that you use go to the nine finger chronicles Instagram page hit me up with a DM also, huge shout out to uh, Code Blue Sense for partnering w- with this podcast. Uh, please go check out um, FullSneakGear.com, and there are there's a couple uh, couple products there that I think you guys might find cool. Would love to uh, would love to see that. Uh, see you guys buy that, and then oh, the Nine Finger Chronicles hats there as well. That's it, man. And, uh, and so hit me up on Instagram. If you are a company listening to this podcast and you own a hunting gear and equipment company or you're a manufacturer or something like that, hit me up. Would love to have you on. If there is a company that you would like to have on, hit me up again as well. And, uh, man, I hope everybody's gear is in check. I hope all of your, your guns and bows and crossbows are shooting accurately for this upcoming season. I hope all of the, the you've checked all your gear to make sure it's working properly. And then I hope uh, all of you have extremely good luck this upcoming season. So uh, have a good one, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.